0: Hello and welcome to Journalism Revision, Ipso Editor's Code. My name's Sani Rudravadjala, I'm a freelance journalist and I'm also studying for my NCTJ Diploma in Journalism. This podcast is for anyone else who's studying for that exam or if you've got a particular interest in press regulation, specifically on the Ipso Editor's Code, so Ipso being the Independent Press Standards Organisation, and in order to make this, I have cross-referenced their 2021 code, plus the Editor's Code book. I've also used McNay's Media Law for Journalists. Uh, I've Googled stuff like on the Press Gazette website, cross-referenced things with um, the Press Complaints Commission and Ipso's own ruling archive to hopefully bring something together that might be able to help with your studies uh, and bring that A4 piece of paper with the code to life. I should also mention that the podcast isn't associated with Ipso specifically, um, not backed by them or anything or anyone else. It's just a means to do some revision, and if it helps you as well, then that's great. In this episode, we're going to be focusing on clause two, which relates to privacy. And we're also going to look at public interest because this is the first clause in the Ipso editor's code that can be broken with a public interest justification by an editor so we'll have a look at what that actually means in general terms but of course with all of these it works really well to understand it by applying it to examples which is what we're going to look at throughout this podcast series so i've got a copy of the ipso editor's code with me here i'd recommend you doing the same as well i've also got a cup of tea which you don't have to have but everything works better with tea doesn't it anyway let's get started So public interest, but what is it? Well there are rare occurrences where breaking the code is necessary in order to act in the public's interest. Now the code book um, describes it as not a get out of jail free card to be played after breaking the rules or after making a big mistake editors have to demonstrate that they've deliberately breached the code after careful consideration and in justifiable circumstances. There is a list and it's not exhaustive and the spirit of the code allows for flexibility but it's really important to note that public interest is not the same as whatever the public is interested in. You couldn't secretly record the inside of a celebrity's house even if it would be interesting to see maybe where they've put the BAFTA. Is it on a mantelpiece or is it on a toilet? You couldn't do something like that because that would breach the code but a story that doesn't breach the code and is interesting or entertaining it's fine but if there is a breach then it has to be done with a public interest justification so there are seven clauses that are not covered by this so that means there's no public interest justification to break these codes and they are Clause 1 on accuracy, 4 on intrusion into shock or grief, 11 on victims of sexual assault, 13 on discrimination, 14 confidential sources and 15.1 witness payments in criminal trials. So if you were going to break the code, these are the sorts of reasons you might give. So if you were detecting or exposing crime or the threat of crime or serious impropriety, if you're doing so to protect the public health or safety, or protect the public from being misled by an action or statement by an individual or organisation, or that saying that someone or an organisation won't meet some obligations that they've said they're going to. Disclosing a miscarriage of justice is one. Contributing to a public debate, including serious cases of impropriety, unethical conduct or incompetence concerning the public is another. Or revealing the concealments of any of that would be another as well. There is a public interest justification as well in the freedom of expression itself. Regulators themselves will consider the extent to which there's information already out there in the public domain, and editors need to demonstrate that their activity would serve the public interest and it's proportionate, and they should be able to explain how they reach the decision to break um, one of the codes in the first place. You've got to also have an exceptional public interest justification to override the protection of children under 16 and their interests so it's got to be something really big to justify that and that basically covers the areas where a public interest justification is necessary. Now reading that list like that doesn't particularly sound very memorable but when you apply it to some real life situations it should come to life a bit more and we'll do that over the course of these episodes. So in Clause 2, Privacy, there are three parts to this. In the first one, it's that everyone is entitled to respect for their private and family life, for their home, physical and mental health, the correspondence which includes the digital communications. Now, mental health was added... This year in 2021. But the code book that goes along with the editor's code says that mental health has kind of ran throughout the the code in the past. And it's just a way now that they are explicitly mentioning it. And he actually mentioned the press as part of the reason behind that change um, in society, really. So... Part two is that editors are expected to justify any intrusions that they make without consent and they need to consider the reasonable expectation of privacy versus the public disclosures that whoever they're investigating or talking about may have made themselves and what's already out there in the public domain. So somebody who shares a lot about their home lives might struggle to then uh, make an argument if somebody was then invading a part of their home life that they've regularly posted about publicly on social media, for example. So the final part of clause two is that it is unacceptable to publish photos of individuals without their consent in public or private places where there is a reasonable expectation of privacy. And I've highlighted that term, that phrase in my notes, because that's the key behind how this component is interpreted. It's all about this idea, this reasonable expectation of privacy. And we'll look at a few examples to kind of flesh that out and show you what that could mean. The privacy regulations in the code echo the Human Rights Act, but there is a public interest defence. And in the codebook, it says that privacy is not an absolute right. Your own conduct or consent as far as what's already out there in the public domain affects how IPSO will look at a complaint. An example where ultimately ipso ruled there was no breach was um from a headline from the mirror.co.uk false widow spider bite leaves man with horrifying blisters and organ failure so somebody had been bitten by this spider and he'd gone on facebook and posted it to about 30 people i don't know whether it was the share settings or how it was but 30 people saw it but on the settings that he put it as they could share it with others and he also opened the facebook post saying he was sharing um, images of the bite and they were quite graphic images uh, because he wanted to raise awareness. So Ipso ruled that there was no breach because of the shareable nature of that information and the detail that he'd put out there himself. So he, he couldn't turn around and say, well, you've taken my health information, which, which could be pretty bad because he'd already shared it out there himself and put it out in the public domain and he even framed it with that sort of thing in mind. Reasonable expectation of privacy. Well, what does that mean? Well, in the code book, it gives three bullet points about this. So if you were taking a picture, um, you've got to ask yourself a couple of questions. Well, three questions. That's why I say it's three bullet points. Did the picture show anything that was essentially private? Was the picture taken in a public or private place where you could expect privacy and was the photo in the public interest and one really good way to kind of uh, get an idea about this is um, two stories about a woman in a bikini. So the first woman in a bikini just so happens to be a princess and it's Princess Beatrice and it comes from a Mail Online headline from 2016 Beatrice makes a splash on yet another day off. So Princess Beatrice was on an offshore yacht and she was photographed on it. Uh, the mail said that it wasn't private because um, she was she'd been in a bikini photograph before. Um, and Ipso doesn't prohibit the use of long lens photography. So she was two me, 200 meters offshore on this um on this yacht um having a nice time uh, the photos were all pretty grainy despite being uh, on a long lens so it shows you they've kind of zoomed in and cropped them um and it showed a um but enjoying the sun, sunbathing, uh, having a shower on the deck, drying herself off with a towel, rubbing suntan lotion into her boyfriend's shoulder So all pretty intrusive, really, if you think you're on a holiday and somebody's zooming in like that. And Ipso agreed. They said it was a breach because um, there was a reasonable expectation of privacy there because you couldn't see Beatrice from the shore. The photographer had used a long lens camera to do that, um, which kind of showed that it, it pretty much was a private thing. They'd also... Uh, been quite gratuitous and invasive on the parts of a body that they'd focused on and they weren't parts that you'd normally see publicly. Um, And they said there was no public interest justification on this line. So the next story of a woman in a bikini was on Brighton Beach as part of a series of photos published in The Sun in 2017 with the headline, Enjoy It While You Can. Um, And it was your classic, it's going to be a hot day or there's hot weather and loads of people Uh, on the beach, a series of photos. There was no long lens used in this one. It was in a public place um, and there was two to 300 people in total on the beach that day. Um, So there were lots of people just milling around having fun in the sun. But the woman who was photographed complained in the end, Ipso ruled there was no breach. Um, there was nothing private happening in the picture, and it's been long-established practice of the sun and other newspapers to uh, show photographs of people enjoying the sun when it's hot weather. She said the permission hadn't been given, and she'd been on the phone at the time and hadn't seen her as a photographer. But Ipso ruled that there was no invasion into private life. She wasn't doing anything private. It was just her on the beach and... Um, and it wasn't with a long lens or anything. So it wasn't invasive. uh, So they ruled that that was fine. There's also a lot of overlap between the different clauses as far as uh, where examples lie. So although I didn't give many examples in accuracy, it's because a lot of these will play up elsewhere. Similarly, um, one example that wasn't really to do with ipso but ended up going to court um, and kind of fits in a lot of different areas was uh, the story about what happened with paul weller so paul weller was photographed with his children um on the way to a cafe um and his kids were pretty young at the time it is two young twins uh, and another young child as well um and the court ruled that this was an invasion into his privacy and his right to family life, which is Article 8 of the Human Rights Act. It was published in the Mail online and um, the court awarded him £10,000 of damages. They said there was no contribution to uh, the current public debates with these photos. There was, it was just an unjustified invasion into his private life. an example that was in the public interest is um a story about a gas explosion in a woman's house that was photographed in lots of different newspapers including the express um and what had happened was there'd been uh, an explosion at this woman's house it had ripped open the back of the house all the contents were exposed and you could see into the home and the user comments were not particularly kind people had made fun of the fact that a duvet didn't have a cover on it um, and some sort of joke about the bathtub being on the precipice Um, of the building um, about to fall out. So she was pretty upset about that. But Ipso ruled there was no breach because there was a public interest. It was a large explosion. Um, Other houses had been affected um, and there was public interest in gas safety as well. Even though the photograph itself was taken on her property because it was from the back of the house and usually you can't see the backs of people's houses very easily. um, They ruled that because of this public interest justification, the photographer was justified taking the photo and the different publications were justified in publishing it. Ipso also won't take very kindly to the publication of what's seen as private health information. So an example of that was uh, when the Times in 2016, so the Sunday Times, published... um, a story about the sudden weight loss of Sir Nicholas Soames MP. Nicholas Soames is a relative of Winston Churchill. He's quite well known for his appearance and he'd suddenly lost a load of weight. There was no breach with him being described as having lost weight but what they did was they referred to House of Commons tea room regulars who had a theory that he'd had a gastric band and Ipso ruled that was a breach because um, speculating on his size was fine but speculating on him having surgery Um, and an invasive bit of surgery and also that he had a back problem that it was related to uh, was something that was reasonably expected to be private. So speculating on somebody's private medical information was seen as a breach. So overall, when it comes to public interest with clause two of the code, um, the two principles that you need to consider are, is the publication of private information genuinely in the public interest and is the degree of intrusion proportionate to the public interest served? So that's something that has to be weighed up by an editor anytime you're going to uh, breach or break the code with a public interest justification. So that concludes everything that we're going to look at in Clause 2 on accuracy. So I've just got another 14 more to do, uh, but I'm looking forward to doing that and hopefully you'll join me too. Journalism Revision, Ipso Editor's Code, was produced and presented by me, Sani Retrovadula. I'm on Twitter, at SaniR1985, and if you found any of this useful, then don't forget to subscribe, and I'm pretty sure you can leave me a five-star review and a comment somewhere, because I'm still unemployed. (laughs) Maybe this will help with me getting a job, or at the very least, helping me pass these exams, and good luck to you and your exams too, if you've got them coming up.